Thank you for watching NTD Business coming up tonight. The Federal Reserve remains focused on fighting inflation despite warnings of a looming recession. New meeting minutes today confirmed there won't be rate cuts this year. Members of Congress have once again beaten the stock market. Many traded in large volumes and in the millions of dollars. Do they know something we don't? And the Chinese gaming industry is gaining power and money, but mostly from outside of China. NTD takes a look into one of the biggest games ever and the power of the industry in harvesting user data. That and much more coming up on NTD Business. Great to have you with us. Don Mock here. Apple has lost $1 trillion in market value in one year. The loss comes one year after Apple became the first public tech company valued at $3 trillion. A report raised concerns about consumer demand for Apple's products on Tuesday. Nikkei reported that Apple recently told suppliers to build fewer parts for some of its most popular devices for the first quarter, including Apple Watch, AirPods, and MacBooks. Like other tech companies, Apple has struggled with supply chain issues and concerns that recession fears will weigh on advertisers and consumers' spending. Salesforce is also struggling, looking to cut costs in the new year. The cloud-based software company plans to reduce its workforce by 10% and close some offices. In a letter to employees, its co-CEO wrote, As our revenue accelerated through the pandemic, we hired too many people leading into this economic downturn we're now facing. Salesforce employed over 73,000 at the end of January last year, a 30% jump from 2021. Businesses that relied on cloud services during the pandemic are looking to cut expenses, hurting cloud service providers like Salesforce. Salesforce said affected employees in the U.S. will receive a minimum of about five months' pay, health insurance, and other benefits. The announcement sent shares up 5%. And despite the cloudy business outlook, the Federal Reserve is still on track to raise interest rates more this year. According to the minutes of the Fed's latest meeting released today, officials said they're concerned that easing too early would, quote, complicate their inflation fight. According to the minutes, none of the officials expect to cut interest rates this year. The Fed is signaling that rates will stay higher for longer until it's sure that inflation is slowing. It reiterated its commitment to bring inflation to 2%. So with the Fed determined to bring down inflation, is there still any chance of a soft landing? Or will it bring us into a recession soon? Earlier, I spoke to Chance Finucane about the Fed minutes. He's the chief investment officer at Oxbow Advisors. Thanks for joining me, Chance. So first off, what's the takeaway uh, for the minutes, your, your first reactions? You know, it's not too surprising to us. It's been a similar story from the Fed for months now where they're going to keep rates higher uh, for longer. You can see that they're actually guiding to above a 5% rate through the end of 2023, which is not what investors want to hear. The other thing uh, in those data points that they mentioned that surprises us is They're talking about being able to hopefully still have a soft landing and avoid a recession. And yet the unemployment rate that they are projecting for the end of this year is 4.6%, which is about 1% above where we are now. And if you look back historically, whenever the unemployment rate has increased by 1%, you were usually about six months already into a recession. So there's a bit of a disconnect there with what they're trying to predict. But 
we would say that that lines up for our belief that we'll be in a recession at some point this year. We track uh, numerous different leading indicators, but just to use the leading indicators index that Conference Board uses, uh, that's got a long history. And those leading indicators, things like new orders from manufacturers or building permits that are tracked on a monthly basis, those have been trending down and have been negative for the last nine straight months. And there isn't a period going back decades where you had nine straight months of negative growth in the leading indicators and not ended up in a recession. So in light of that, at Oxbow Advisors, when, when do you predict the Fed? What's the timeline of a pivot? You know, it's tough to say. I think right now they're really trying to hold the line until inflation numbers start coming in significantly lower. But that's going to mean it's going to drag on well into this year, if not into 2024. And really, I think their problem is they need to see two inflation numbers, the core PCE inflation, which is a number they explicitly track, that they want to see fall below all of the different Treasury yields uh, from the three-month Treasury to the 30-year Treasury. They need to see it get below that number, and right now it's not there. And then the other one, I think just optically for U.S. citizens, is you can't say that, okay, we're going to start cutting rates when inflation is still printing at 7% year over year. You need to get that down to a significantly lower number before you could say that you achieved your mission in trying to bring down inflation. So if they're gonna keep rates higher for longer, that's gonna create a problem for companies and we think that's gonna lead to a decline in profits reported this year compared to 2022. How do you think the S&P 500 is going to perform this year, 2023, compared to last year? We think it's going to be a difficult start for the S&P 500. Uh, we actually remain still very defensively positioned. We have a lot uh, sitting in short-term treasuries, just generating that 4% yield. But right now, we think until you see additional estimate revisions where profit estimates by companies need to be brought further down, and investors have to acknowledge that this is going to be a difficult year for profit growth, until you start to see that, we would expect uh, more pain for stock investors and that the indexes will continue to trend down. And if it fell by about another 20% from here, that would be where we start to think, okay, now we're starting to get some prices that we're more intrigued by. And maybe there's an opportunity if this all happens quickly that we're able to invest and you actually get a bit of a, a return coming in the second half of the year. But it's gonna depend on how fast this plays out. All right. Thank you very much. Chance Finucane, Oxbow Advisors. Pleasure speaking to you. Thanks, Don. And on Wall Street, stocks ended higher after the Fed minutes were released. The Dow added 133 points or four-tenths of a percent. S&P rose 29 points or three-quarters of a percent. And the Nasdaq gained 72 points or seven-tenths of a percent. A new report on congressional stock trading is out. Financial services firm Unusual Wales shows us that many politicians beat the market in 2022. The biggest winner was Representative Patrick Fallon, a Republican from Texas who had returns of nearly 52%. He beat the S&P 500 by a lot. The S&P 500 is one of, if not the most important market measure that investors use. It tracks the stock performance of 500 major American companies. And while Representative Fallon's portfolio gained 52%, the S&P 500 was down by nearly 20 In second place is Representative Debbie Wasserman Schultz, a Democrat from Florida, also the former chair of the Democratic National Committee, at nearly 51%. The politician who traded the most by far was Representative Ro Khanna, a Democrat from California. 
Canna traded far, far more than his peers with over 5,700 transactions that add up to $151 million. And in second place is Representative Michael McCall, a Republican from Texas with 1,600 transactions that add up to $176 million. Congressional stock trading is a hot topic because elected officials know things that the general public doesn't. This, this creates the perception that politicians could be doing insider trading, which is using non-public information to make trades in the stock market. This is normally considered a very, very serious crime. Former Congressman Dave Bratz raises the possibility that some insider trading could be happening here. And when you're in Congress, you see real estate deals coming, uh, where the freeways are going to be located, uh, legal property rights issues, patent issues, uh, who's going to have property rights to intellectual ideas, where's big tech headed, what energy is going to do well, which is going to get hit. Uh, that's a lot of insider information, right? I could have gone on forever, right? Who's going to go to war against who? Uh, what firms are going to prosper from going to war? Uh, international relations, uh, where are the rich burying money? Who's going to get rich out of that? People want the markets to be fair. If some people have exclusive information, they would have a huge advantage. They could sell stock that they know will soon be worthless and anyone who buys it is going to lose money. The average prison sentence for insider trading is one and a half years. The longest sentence ever was 12 years. Now, insider trading is very hard to prove. So to prove members of Congress are doing it, the prosecutors will have to show evidence, prove intent, and provide documentation. Jennifer Schulp is the director of financial regulation studies at the Cato Institute. She says we shouldn't jump to conclusions based on the unusual Wales report. The report itself doesn't necessarily indicate that members of Congress are doing insider trading, but Schultz says the public perception that they could be is a problem in itself. She says the best solution is more transparency. Members of Congress who are trading are required to provide uh, information about the trade that they made within 30 to 45 days of having made that trade. Um, that's a pretty exceptionally long period of time between when a trade is made and when the disclosure is required. Um, That period of time needs to be shortened substantially, really to as short as is feasible, so that people can get essentially real-time information. Former California State Assemblyman Chuck DeVore says that when people have power or are close to power, there's a strong temptation to make money off of it. He suggests a solution is to ban trading in Congress altogether. We just shouldn't be having lawmakers making trades at all anyway. Uh, all of their funds, to the extent that they're invested, uh, should be in broad-based mutual funds where there is no specific individual decision uh, that would affect a certain company or even a segment. And if you're a member of the federal legislature where you've got a lot of power, uh, that, that investment really ought to be spread out such that you'll do well if the whole country does well. Though there is a trade-off, any solution will likely discourage people from running for Congress. This could potentially filter out talented people who could have made a positive difference. Unusual Wales wants a solution as well. It believes that if nothing is done, Congress will continue trading in alarming amounts while simultaneously beating the market. The organization says it will continue covering congressional trading as long as it exists. 
And moving on, Elon Musk has released more information about the extent of alleged government influence on Twitter. He says the federal government had asked Twitter to suspend 250,000 accounts. Here's the story. Elon Musk on Tuesday replied to a Twitter thread saying, quote, U.S. government agency demanded suspension of 250,000 accounts, including journalists and Canadian officials. Musk was replying to a thread by journalist Matt Taibbi, who posted the latest Twitter files. The thread showed redacted email correspondence between Twitter executives and government officials within various federal agencies in 2020. Taibbi wrote that Twitter was taking orders from a range of government agencies, including the Senate Intelligence Committee, the Treasury, the NSA, the Department of Health and Human Services, the FBI, and the Department of Homeland Security. One post also showed an email from the Office of Democratic Congressman Adam Schiff, who was the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee. His office asked Twitter to ban journalist Paul Sperry. Twitter's reply showed the social media company declined to honor the congressman's request, but Sperry was still suspended from the platform. The latest Twitter files release also showed that federal agencies flagged accounts that questioned the origins of COVID-19 and tied the accounts to Russian disinformation. And Twitter users may see political ads return to the platform in 2023. Twitter announced Tuesday it would reverse its 2019 ban on political ads. In a tweet, the company explained it would relax its advertising policy for cause-based ads in the U.S. The change is set to align its ad policy with TV and other media outlets. The shift brings Twitter's policies closer to those of Meta's Facebook and Alphabet's YouTube. Both platforms allow political advertising, while Chinese-owned video app TikTok does not. Twitter is also making another change, moving to permit cause-based ads. That includes content that educates or raises awareness about issues like voter registration, climate, or government programs like the census. Twitter's political ad ban came after it and other social media companies faced widespread criticism over alleged election misinformation. It also restricted ads linked to social causes. Genshin Impact, a Chinese video game, has become one of the most popular games ever. But because of strict Chinese gaming laws, Chinese-made games often become more popular outside of China. NTD's Sean Marshall reports on how China may benefit as it gains more power in the worldwide gaming industry. Chinese video games are earning lots of revenue and harvesting lots of data from countries outside of China. Genshin Impact, a game launched by a Chinese company in 2020, made $4 billion in global revenue by the end of 2022. It's become one of the most popular and successful games ever. A report by Sensor Tower found nearly two-thirds of the game's revenue came from outside of China. Japan, the United States, and South Korea were the top three overseas markets. In China itself, gaming by minors is heavily restricted. Genshin Impact was also the most discussed game on Twitter after collecting 12,571 tweets and nearly 4 million retweets in 2022. With all the data concerns over apps like TikTok, could the data collected by video games be used against players or even entire countries? What if old data could be harvested and saved to examine how a soldier or political figure might have made decisions as a child? Data once used only for analytics is now being used in targeted advertising and machine learning and AI development. Apple's App Store requires warnings about data harvesting like this one for Genshin Impact. Looking ahead, Chinese companies continue to gain influence over non-Chinese gaming companies.
Tencent, which was number four worldwide in video gaming company revenue in 2022, has acquired a 20% stake in South Korean studio Shift Up, creator of hit game Goddess of Victory. Last year, Tencent caused a disturbance when it announced it would comply with China's requirement to include facial recognition technology in Chinese games. Sean Marshall, NTD News. The United States has tied Qatar as the top exporter of liquefied natural gas, or LNG. Both countries exported over 81 million tons last year, according to Bloomberg. It's a big jump for the U.S., which only started exporting LNG in 2016. Since then, it's become a top player in the industry. One reason is the shale gas revolution. The U.S. has also invested billions of dollars in liquefaction facilities. The war in Ukraine and shift away from Russian energy have also increased demand for U.S. LNG. But can the U.S. keep the top spot? Qatar is rapidly expanding its production facility. That could cement its position as LNG leader in a few years. That means the U.S. needs to increase its LNG export capacity if it wants to stay competitive. And taking a break now, but if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, you can email us at business at ntd.com. Still to come, Apple hiking prices for iPhone battery replacements. How much more will it cost you? And a top tech industry event kicking off this week in Las Vegas. Organizers hope this year's show will look more like it did before the pandemic. That and more coming up on NTD Business. Welcome back. The millions of people waiting to hear about student loan forgiveness shouldn't expect an answer soon. The Supreme Court is set to hear arguments on whether the Biden administration's loan forgiveness program is legal, but a decision is unlikely to come before June. So far, about 26 million applicants have asked the Department of Education to participate in the program, which forgives up to $20,000 in federal student debt. That's all on hold until the Supreme Court reaches a decision. In the meantime, the Biden administration has again extended a pandemic-related pause on student repayments. Borrowers do not have to make payments until the loan forgiveness program issue is resolved. If that hasn't happened by June 30th, payments will resume 60 days after that. And Apple is raising the price to replace iPhone batteries by nearly 30%. Beginning January 1st, battery replacements for all pre-2022 iPhone models will cost $89. That's a price hike of $20. Higher production costs and inflation are partly to blame. But consumers may be skeptical after battery gate in 2017. Apple was accused of deceptively slowing down the iPhone's performance to compensate for old batteries. The company's alleged goal was to get consumers to buy newer models. In November 2020, Apple agreed to pay $113 million to settle allegations brought by 33 states and the District of Columbia. Apple denied wrongdoing. The organizers of the annual CES Tech Show are weighing the industry's prospects in 2023. The event is set to kick off in Las Vegas against the backdrop of inflation and cost-of-living crisis. NTD's Andrew Thomas has more on their expectations. Companies and startups at CES are set to showcase innovations in virtual reality, robotics, and consumer tech items. 
On the eve of the event, the Consumer Technology Association released new forecasts, projecting U.S. technology retail revenues to fall to $485 billion in 2023, down from $497 billion last year. Certainly, the tech industry, like every industry and like our economy, is subject to the, the free market, ups and downs. And I've been around for a while, obviously. You know, I've, been, I've lived through a few recessions, and certainly there, there's pockets of the tech industry which are doing great. If you're in video games or if you're a, a, a data manager or a programmer, there's, there's some real strength there. The CTA anticipates a looming recession and inflation will weigh against consumer spending. Several tech companies are laying off workers amid concerns about the economic environment. But CTA president and CEO Gary Shapiro says he's optimistic. You know, we live and die by the economy the way every industry does. Um, and we had a good couple of years in a sense during COVID because people were, couldn't spend money on restaurants or travel or, or clothes or all these other things. So we had big growth, but we're almost maintaining that high level of sales, but we're doing it with lower prices. Organizers say their goal is to draw 100,000 attendees. CES 2023 opens to the public in Las Vegas, Nevada on January 5th. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. Unseasonably warm temperatures in parts of Europe have led to a snow shortage at some ski resorts. These slopes in the Alps are, of Austria are surrounded by snow-free green meadows. It's a very different sight than normal for this time of year. And these patches of snow are even more than what some other countries have. In France, a lack of snow has forced ski resorts, especially in the Pyrenees mountain range, to shut down entirely, at least until snow conditions improve. In the Pyrenees along the French-Spanish border, only one in three ski resorts have been open recently due to the lack of snow. And as tens of thousands leave Hong Kong for new lives abroad, many are craving a childhood favorite drink that's become a symbol of the city's culture. NTD's Andrew Thomas has more on the nostalgic beverage. The tea is called Sasan Tang. The beverage is sweet and heavy with evaporated milk. Now workshops are popping up to teach professionals to brew the beverage. Milk tea is very important to the Hong Kong people because since we were small, we went to Cha Chan Tong with our parents to drink milk tea and have breakfast, eating macaroni and toast. It's our custom to drink a cup of milk tea every morning with bread or egg tart. Eric Tam is a 41-year-old manager at an insurance company. He now lives in the UK. Tea is a big part of the culture in England, but he says the taste isn't the same. I lived in Hong Kong for decades. It would be wrong for me to say I don't miss Hong Kong. I can't fully merge into the British local culture so soon. I always think about Hong Kong. Milk tea definitely helps me reminisce about a part of Hong Kong's taste. Tam moved to Liverpool with his family in June. But before Tam left, he signed up for lessons at the Institution of Hong Kong Milk Tea. He says that milk tea is a form of silent resistance. To a certain extent, it's keeping our identity as Hong Kongers. When we can keep this food culture and our preference for milk tea overseas, it's like being in a part of Hong Kong. Hong Kong's protest movement has even called itself part of a milk tea alliance. Following a law that silenced or jailed most political opposition, over 130,000 residents have secured a special visa. The document allows them to live and work in the UK and apply for British citizenship after six years. 
The UK called China's 2020 national security law a clear breach of the 1984 Sino-British Joint Declaration. The declaration included a promise to retain the former British colony's rights and freedoms for 50 years from 1997. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. And that's the latest from the NTD business team and myself, Don Ma. You can follow me on Twitter, too. And if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, you can email us at business at NTD.com. That's all for today. Thank you for watching. See you tomorrow.